Say your name and what you do. Chris Velosky, and I own a business. <laughs> Hi, my name is Marissa Kelly, and I also own a business. This is the Business AF Podcast, where it's all business most of the time. Hello, welcome everyone back to Business AF Live. Uh, we took a little bit of a break. I was busy with Social Media Marketing World, which we'll cover later on in the show um, after having our guests speak about their business. So welcome to the show, Jessa and Laurel from A Stellar Company. Hi, thank you. <laughs> we are talking today about regenerative business and why these are important in, uh, in this day and age in terms of uh, business and economy and all of those things. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what regenerative, regenerative business is? Yeah. Regenerative businesses are kind of a step beyond the traditional way of doing business plus a sustainable way of doing business. So when you think about traditional business practices, it's maximize the short term financial return, maximize profit. And sometimes it can be at the expense of other things. Mm -hmm. um, sustainability is around sort of the way we do business and maintaining the status quo so that you're kind of long long term and resilient and then regenerative mm -hmm. is actually creating value for everyone involved so it's like a step above status quo and the way that you do that is by taking care of your people your planet mm -hmm. and profit will follow yeah I, I can definitely see a shift in business that way where people are trying to build that culture uh from within so that people care about their business um when did you decide that this was something that you wanted to focus on in terms of your business and how you help other businesses maintain this style of business? Yeah, we first heard about this movement around regenerative businesses or another way of looking at it is called stakeholder capitalism or the benefit movement. And we heard about it from our mentor and mm -hmm. he invited us to this a boot camp that he created for stakeholder capitalists. And through that, we learned about the movement itself, the legal entities around it, the third party verifications, and the long term public market exchange that opened up in May of 2019. And so there was this whole system of tools around doing business as a force for good. And it just broadened our awareness. It helped us investigate. Um, doing that and making money by doing good work. And we we met through working for an environmental consulting firm together. And we, on the side, Jessa would help her friends with businesses and set them up and do strategic planning. And I would help educate people about what their environmental footprint is and how to like be more sustainable. And mm -hmm. then together we just smashed those specialties and decided to form our own company that specializes in consulting for businesses. Awesome. Well, that that sounds like a great collaboration that sometimes comes out of nowhere, right? You didn't expect it. Um, so I'm I'm curious to know um, at what point do you get involved with these business owners? Is it early stage before they're even forming their business, or is it right in the beginning where 
they want to scale or something like what how does that look yeah, or Laura, right now we work, yeah. <laughs> we work stage businesses um startups mostly there are some that we work with who are more in i guess the scaling phase or more established um for mm -hmm. us we are our network is more in the startup world and working through the tory project and we're working with a lot of companies program and we're consulting for them and for us mm -hmm. and for the companies it's a little easier in the beginning to set these policies and practices in place and show how they can be successful rather than changing the way it's been done already with larger companies however mm -hmm. that's where real change is going to happen with the more established companies and the bigger companies and there are definitely people who are open and willing to do that and it's just it's really learning. And the more we talk about, the more people we introduce to this way of doing business stakeholder capitalism, the more people are starting to understand that there is a way to make money by. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's always, it's always about making money, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I think, um, so can you talk about maybe, um, I mean, the, the old way of doing business and where people are, maybe stuck in their business practices and, and kind of like at a stale, stale, stale point in their business and they're not growing or they're not scaling or they're not building it to the point of, I mean, I'm imagining a business where they're, they want to pass it down onto their, you know, their children and their grandchildren, but they haven't built a model where it's sustainable in this world. I mean, do you come across those type of people or is it just because now you're in startup world, like everyone's, all about like what that meant, what that future looks like. Do you have experiences that you can talk to about that? Yeah, so I think that is, I mean, we work with, the way we approach it, the situations really comes from, we, the initial conversations are really from a profitability standpoint and I would say a purpose standpoint. Mm -hmm. And I know that's kind of a trending word right now, buzzword, yeah. it's like, purpose-driven businesses, but really it's like, why are you getting out of bed every day and why are you doing it? And some, right. for some people, it's just money, but there's always the why to that. Like, well, why do you want to make money? I want to have financial security for my family, keep my home. I want to send my kids to this, you know, nice school. And so it's kind of learning that, mm -hmm. but also being able to communicate that to the rest of the organization, because for other people, money for the owner's profit or the shareholder's profit isn't a good enough reason to get out of bed and do your best every day. And so if right. really looking at the financials and showing, okay, well, what can we improve here? And then let's say it's, you know, sales, like let's drive sales. Okay. Well, what do you need to do that? You need to incentive. What's going to incentivize the salespeople. And then with the clients and the customers, what is driving their so we come, we approach mm -hmm. it with a profit aspect because if you don't have profit, you don't have a business and that's going to create a bunch of other problems. But we, right. we dig into that with like, okay, what's the purpose behind all this? And and it's funny, I, I keep thinking like I should have studied psychology instead of business because I feel like that it comes mm -hmm. down to that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think that, I mean, I'm mostly in marketing and that kind of, you know, okay, you want sales, but like, why? Like, what? How? Why should we care about your business as a, as a consumer of services and goods? Like, why should we care? And I think that goes 
kind of in like what you guys are trying to do and make sure that they are in business with a purpose, but also how can they scale that and make sure others in that business care about it, right? Um, so um, I'd like to know, um, I guess my my thing is like where for your cons like consulting and, and working with these people and looking at profits and all of the numbers and stuff like that, um, where does it, where does your journey stop with them? Is it, is this like an ongoing thing or are you kind of like, okay, we've worked with you for, you know, six months or whatever, or a year while you set up your business. Um, is there a growth in there? Is there a like movement or how does that work with you guys? Maybe uh, Laurel, you can speak to that. <laughs> yes, it depends. Some clients mm -hmm. are project together with them as a teammate for a little longer. Some clients are account accountability partnership based. And so we may only be with them for a few months to get them going on the right track and joints. And some are starting mm -hmm. off and then we discover as we grow together that there's some real growth opportunities there. And then they want to bring us on as partners, maybe a little bit beyond mm -hmm. the client realm. And what mm -hmm. we've learned just, um, you know, because we're technically a startup ourselves. We've only been in months. Mm -hmm. And we learn that as we go, mm -hmm. as we talk, as we communicate, we're attracting mm -hmm. um, the right people in the right project. And we're, we're really able to pivot because mm -hmm. it's just just uh, and me. It's, we don't have a bunch of in, employees. And right. so I think we've got about four priority projects that we're focused on for the next um, year in our strategic plan. And they're all related to um, projects that we're either leading or leading with a team and then our clients and their projects. So when they hit that project success metric, how does that return come back to us? And then we have the ongoing mm -hmm. like monthly clients where we hold hands together and work through pain right. points. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, there there's plenty of different types of ways you can help people. So, I mean, you're talking about how you're Oh, my guest, my co-host is here. Yay. All right. Um, so you're talking about, um, you know, obviously good interactions. You're really helping these people identify where they need to like, do things for their business and all of that. Um, have you had any experiences where what you um, what you were offering with, you know, with your consulting and your time and, and really kind of trying to understand how why culture is important um in a business have you ever had an experience where that it, it just wasn't meshing with the business owner like after some time oh we yes we had one um project opportunity and we hi um we had one project opportunity and we were really excited at first. And then once we got some more details and specifics about it, we used our culture at a stellar co as a filtering mechanism to see if this was an alignment with where we wanted to go and what we wanted to do. And while we really like and supported that individual, we decided not to move forward um, together in, in business uh, either as a partner or as a client, but like we're here as a resource. And we've maintained a good relationship with, with that individual. So if they ever like, hey, what's up 
what's the latest in the benefit movement? What's the latest in stakeholder capitalism? We are absolutely happy to share our network. That was, I mean, your one of your earlier questions was like um, around how do you operate and engage and like what's the process that you work through? And one mm -hmm. added value that Jess and I bring is our network of people that we know. Right. So in many project situations and in many client situations, like we might not have the answer, but certainly someone we know does, and that might mm -hmm. be a great reference. And our, we've accumulated um, these long-term relationships for a while now, and it's all kind of coming together really yeah. in the right way. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, we don't want to force something. We don't want to force our views and opinions on someone that they mm -hmm. aren't buying into. And Right. I think in business, a lot of times people are so focused on getting the client or the sale that they're willing to compromise short-term returns. Um, yeah. Or I should say, wait, they're prioritizing short-term returns mm -hmm. over long-term value. And so right. that's something that is all part of what we're doing with stakeholder capitalism. And we keep that in the forefront. It's like, okay, this seems really good on paper. This seems good right now, but like what's going to happen in three months or six months? Mm -hmm. And we use that as a barometer for decision making because we can get someone to sign a contract and then, but are they going to be happy next right. month? Are we going to be happy? Is this worth it? Mm -hmm. And I think, it, you know, it speaks to like what you, you attract when you're putting it out. Like if you guys are all about building that culture and the long-term value and understanding, you know, the, the core of the business, then you attract that as well. Or at least that's the hope. The same with, you know, in marketing, when you're like, okay, be authentic, which I, that's such a word that we've said all over, like all the time, but it's authentic. Oh, we're all being authentic and being real. But, you know, sometimes there's people that slip through the cracks who are focused on those short-term, you know, short-term things that they want. Like we want the quick sale and all of that. So um, um, talking about quick sales, uh, so when you're working with your client, how do you ensure that you can keep working with them? Like building a long-term relationship with them. Yeah, um, that's a great question and something we're, you know, we've been working through with our model. And so what we're doing right now is a few different things. One is we're working, I guess, the closest I'd say like a subscription model where we have a fixed monthly fee, fixed monthly meetings where we act as an accountability partner to our clients. Because a lot of them are there's, they're the single owner of the company. And so I'm sure as you can imagine, a lot of people can relate to, it's kind of lonely. And when you're the sole decision maker, it's just, you can get caught up working. You know, I always mess up the same, but working in the business instead of on the business or whatever, where you get caught in the day-to-day -day stuff and you lose sight of the, the overall strategy. So that's one thing that we do. And so, you, and that's kind of a proven process. Like we'll do it and people see the value in it and they keep coming back. And that becomes a recurring, you know, monthly service for us and our clients mm -hmm. and then another one is by setting clear objectives and goals and metrics with the clients and once those are achieved like that's showing kind of the proven process and the value we add of helping people be accountable to what they say they're going to do and mm -hmm. bringing in tools and resources that we have to help them meet those goals as well mm -hmm. what type of tools uh so for example to speed up your workflow what type of tools do you use <laughs> Oh, internally, tools. <laughs> internally, I would say Jess and I communicate all day, every day by Marco Polo. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's great. We actually, 
Yeah. I think we, we have a few clients we use that with, but it's very close clients, but it's great because it's like this, like you can see the facial expressions and you can read body language so much better and clear. And with Marco Polo specifically is that you can do it on your own time. And so it's become a really helpful communication tool. And then one of our clients uses it because he is thinking about doing a video blog of his travels and he's really uncomfortable being in front of camera. And so, I mean, we need to ramp it up a little bit, but he's using us through Marco Polo to practice. Like, where do I hold it? How do I look? What do I say? Are my, is my face weird? Like using yeah. it, using it to understand if he's communicating the way he wants to communicate. Yeah. And then probably on the more business, like professional <laughs> tools is um, we use Zoom. I love yeah. Zoom. Same intent, more professional. Um, mm-hmm. Calendly, we found so helpful for scheduling. Yeah. Um, been a huge benefit yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my deal <laughs> yeah it saves so much time and then yeah. we love slack um we have slack channels that we've built for our clients um we've joined mm-hmm. our clients slack channels and then i mean we use like we're pretty adaptable because we are pretty flexible in what we use and we want to be reactive and responsive to our clients like mm-hmm. if they have a preference but mm-hmm. we prefer office 365 um, which I mean, it's not you know groundbreaking, but OneDrive um, is oh, yeah. great for sharing files and links, and say, like it's all easy, and almost everyone has that or Google Drive. Right. Um, that's our second, I guess, or Google Suite options. That's our our backup. Um, and I use Trello a little bit. Trello and Asana, we're we're mm-hmm. dabbling. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Have you ever come across a, a business owner that is not open to using stuff like tech? I mean. It, Cause I guess, you know, from an old school standpoint, like um, this whole culture thing is not as well known, like in older business, you know, older generation business owners, they hear it, they don't really implement it. But along with that, they have to also embrace new things, new tools, new processes. Have you ever encountered that or is part of your process, you know, showing them how? to do that and having them buy into that? It depends. We do have clients that, um, oh, as Jessica said, we're very flexible. And Mm -hmm. so if they want to meet in person, great. We're going to meet in person. We're really good with a whiteboard, really good with a whiteboard, (laughs) you know, taking pictures and emailing that to somebody. So they have some, some point of reference or even Mm -hmm. a, a simple phone call. There have been, um, like our mentor, we affectionately call him Dinosaur Dave. Um, you know, <laughs> he, he um, it's kind of self-proclaimed dinosaur, but he's, yeah. he has uh, picked up on some tools a lot just by listening to Jessa and me communicate and then watching how we interact with our clients, including the Tory Project mm-hmm. alumna. So he's getting better at like Slack and mm-hmm. um, file sharing. And right. Then- I mean, kind of though, as well, I'll still throw Dave under the bus because <laughs> Dinosaur Dave probably won't click the link, but um, <laughs> the challenge, like he's, he's very receptive. Um, you know, this is a specific example, but it's a, a common problem is that w- when someone's not, when we introduce them to a new technology and show like, this is Slack, this is how we think it will benefit you and why mm-hmm. you need it to stay organized and keep people connected. So yeah. Yeah. Show me how to use it. And then in a month later, what's my login? And then a yeah. month later, can you show me one more time? And I mean, I get it. There's so many things out there and it's so hard to keep on top of everything. And so yeah. it's kind of 
what you said, it's, it doesn't matter if someone's not going to use it, it's not going to be helpful. And so that's where we kind of adapt and like, what's going to work for you and your company? What's something you're actually going to use? One really, I, I mean, I, I giggled a little bit at the whiteboard thing, but it was, it's a big deal when we meet with clients either on a one-on-one -on -one or a group basis, when they're able to visually see their thoughts and their challenges on the whiteboard. And yeah. then, you know, as Jessa's like figuring out their finances and doing their operating budget and the strategic plans, and I'm like drawing it out, they're like, oh, I see the connections. Like I'm yeah. getting and part of our services that we mentioned earlier was our stakeholder engagement and networking, that network that we that we add value to. LinkedIn is a really good tool to say, okay, who are these specific individuals that you want to connect with in right. person? Like, are you going to a conference? Are you going to a sales meeting? Are you mm -hmm. going to a mentorship strategy session? Who do we know? Who do you know? Who knows who? Right. What's the real and achievable um, introduction to make? Mm-hmm. Ooh, I, I love that you called out LinkedIn because that's my personal favorite platform. Um, but it is true. It's like who you know. I had, you know, just a conversation with someone yesterday that's looking for a job at JPL, which is like a very well-known company. And I was like, do you know anyone who works there? And they're like, yeah. I was like, so why don't you reach out to them and ask them about like, roles or you know do you have an in with the hr or like the manager you know because they're they're the ones that are going to know if if yeah. that is a good fit and you know it's it's now about building those relationships and really do you care about that company and that company's purpose and can you find that out on linkedin can you look at those people and find out okay like i would like to work there because i like the culture that they represent so um on that, on top of that, do you um, work with any of these companies to develop um, employee advocacy programs where they're talking, their business is, they have a strategy of like talking about the culture on LinkedIn or other platforms that serve them? Do you have that built in or? Well, I think um, to clarify our process when we bring clients on board, of course, yeah. the first step is like figuring out financials and profit. But we don't move forward into um, change until the purpose, mission, vision, values are all organized and communicable. And then everyone's on board because we learned through our formal training that culture trumps everything. That's a phrase that this gentleman, Dr. Gustavo, uses. And mm -hmm. it's true. Like you can have the best financials. You can, um, have, you can take care of the environment really well. But... If you don't have a culture or a North Star that's guiding people in during challenges or when they're independent on their own trying to make business decisions, you're not going to be long lasting. It trumps everything. And so we encourage, um, for example, we have one client that um, is a Native American. We have another client that's a veteran. Like we have clients that have these diversity indicators and we encourage them to build that into their culture of their business and communicate that externally so that they're attracting the right business to themselves. Mm -hmm. And whether that's getting through the actual verifications and third-party certifications on, in the government contracting world, or just mm -hmm. using it as an, as an example of how they do business differently, mm -hmm. communicating that we believe is really, really critical to getting you what you want. I mean, somebody might not respond to you in LinkedIn unless they understand like, why you're different, mm -hmm. why you're reaching out to them. Yeah, definitely. So, um, 
So what? So do you really find out? So what type of businesses? Yeah, no, they they yeah. they kind of talked about it. Yeah. So um, well, startups. I, I guess yeah, like remote teams. I'm wondering how to build culture oh, with yeah. remote teams. That's a good. That's a good question. Yeah. That one's hard. I wish I had a good answer for that. I think, I think that's a challenge. That's what I've had um, with a company that I used. I, I still work for, but um, I used to be at full time prior to starting this. But now um, I'm a consultant for them. Is there's a lot of remote employees, and right. it's a big challenge. And I think one of the big things is increasing the. Um, the video conferencing. I mean, just including the right people in the right meetings, because as we all know, when you're in an office, it's so easy to get caught up and stop and chat, you know, water cooler or whatever people are, you know, converging around these days and you miss out on some of those conversations. And so making sure that there's a lead around who is thinking about that other person and having like the main office, having a point of contact for the remote employees and having weekly huddles. Like we followed, um, Rubicons are like the weekly meeting rhythm or um, like scaling up. It was like daily huddles, weekly right. hour and a half meetings, you know, quarterly, all that. And so having that with the remote employees helps them feel engaged. And then again, picking up a video conference, like, you know, with Skype or Teams or whatever now, and then rather than just picking up the phone, I think is so helpful. And, you know, there's other things you can do as far as like kind of you know, competitions around the company, kind of mm-hmm. fun competitions that aren't, um, they're more, what am I trying to say? Like personal, I guess, and not like, you know, mm-hmm. sales competitions, but I guess you could do that too. I think that helps, but I think ultimately it's the engagement and making sure that the right people know the right things within the company. And anyway, I've kind of talked around that in circles because yeah. I don't have a really good answer because I think, <laughs> I think, and I want to add on that too, because what I really liked about, the meeting rhythms was the um, agenda, like having an agenda every single day and week. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds like really like silly and duh obvious, but it's the same agenda. And what I really liked is that we started with a victory. Mm-hmm. So it was like sharing what was like a big win for me the week prior. And that gets everybody engaged. And then we do a bunch of like, you know, stucks and priorities and metrics in between. And then we end on a gratitude. So it's kind of like you start off on a positive note and you end on a positive note. And I got a lot of feedback from employees that they just like, just like felt good. It was a great way to kind of start their day. And even though employees got to share, oh, I went to this really cool neighborhood event. And Mm -hmm. one of my big takeaways was I got to make time to be inspired every day. And it was like, like that stuck with all of us. We're like, make time to be inspired every day. And like, I'll never Yeah, I, I I can definitely identify with that when a you know when I go into meetings with my clients and they're like, "How was your day?" or like, "What's your win?" and I'm like, "Wait, what? Like, why? Do you, why do you? I mean, like, I have wins and I love sharing them with my people and my tribe. But when so- someone's a client, it's like they show that they do care about you. They do care. You're a human and you have your days, and uh, it's you know." I think it does help the business relationship for sure um, when you're a consultant and, you know, client consultant relationship or whatever. Um, So um, you've worked with a variety of businesses from startups and, you know, some more well-established businesses. Um, Is there 
right now, is there a company or an ideal like client that you would like to work with that you have not yet worked with? Well, we've decided in our strategic plan that Leonardo DiCaprio will be nice. in our business. So that's happening. Yeah, this foundation. <laughs> yeah, this foundation. foundation. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we have some big, our big, hairy, audacious goals. And yeah, um, so we don't have a, that's a specific client. And then we have a goal, oh, our 20 year goal is to work in space. We're going to have clients in outer space. It's real. It's happening. That's, you'll be, yeah, that that's awesome. I mean, <laughs> it's <awesome. laughs> cool. actually, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot so, of, I mean, yeah, Ace Teller, I get it. <laughs> um, there's a lot of companies that are connected to the space world, too. I mean, uh, it's crazy how how many there are. I've, I was, I've done, like, NASA social stuff before, so. Yeah. yeah, it's, like, definitely something that, like, is an industry that, like, we don't hear a lot about because we're just, like, okay, like, spaceship launching. So space, out space. there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're like, wait, what? They have all these like separate contractors and. Oh, you know. it's insane. Yeah. Like, um, contract industry and in space. Mm -hmm. I just met this engineer the other day. He's working on artificial intelligence mm -hmm. to uh, um, capture the times of wake ups for astronauts. So this way they can start giving mm -hmm. them like new diet plans when they're in space. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you think about it, like, um, so all these businesses, wherever they are they need to have this culture together so when we were at the tory project the other businesses that were in our cohort we had our own culture which were like agreements of how we were going to behave together we call it the vault so like it's a safe space to completely share because you know it's not going beyond the vault right and then think about like if somebody's going out into space, they are these consolidated project teams that really have to solve, in most cases, life or death situations. Right. So they need to have their culture and their agreements sorted and very clear and ingrained into their system so they don't have to worry about that. It's just a natural habit that they get into so they can focus mm -hmm. on like this the deep, serious engineering or AI stuff that they got to work on. And then if you take it even further, imagine being on a spaceship. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And you you have to fly or like you have to land on Mars and you're going to be there for X amount of time and you have to finish your mission and you have to take everything with you. Yeah. There. And you're like, OK, we can't go. And it takes I forgot, like six months or something to get to Mars. Oh, I figured it would be like years. I don't yeah, know. I don't remember. It was going to be a long time. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not overnight. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <like> <laughs> I, there's a show. Uh, I can't remember what what channel it's on, but Avenue Five, HBO, HBO. Okay, <laughs> Avenue Five is like a classic example. Like, what is the culture of the Judd aircraft? And when things go awry, how do they stay together? Yeah, they do. It's really fascinating. Now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole of looking at space stuff after this. I bet. Um, so you guys have your own podcast too, right? And it's oh, yeah. space themed, right? <laughs> yeah. It's called so, Orion Podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about your podcast? Yeah, so we have Orion and it's connecting the knowledge and resources um, to lead a more conscious form of capitalism. So we have a bunch of different thought leaders and environmental experts and business leaders 
come on and we're on like Spotify, Apple, Google, all the things. And we, we just talk about, I mean, ultimately it really dials down to making conscious decisions and having awareness. And that of course starts with self-awareness. And so it's tools and resources that are out there and it can expand, you know, ideally really to your to personal as well, not just business, but we approach it with a business mindset. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, and how long have you been doing your podcast? We've been doing it since October, I think. We're almost at a thousand downloads, which is really big for us. We're, nice. we're 10 away. Um, <laughs> so hopefully so, this yeah, this is hopefully our launch back to a thousand. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll promote it. Yeah. Um, do you, is this just you guys? Or do you yeah. have, yeah, okay. Well, it's us and then we interview someone else. Oh, yeah. And so we do it every Friday and mm-hmm. we've had um, Dr. Bronner's on their global sustainability director. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's talking about they're doing awesome stuff. We had another company, um, direction our advisory board called XQ Innovation. And they work with businesses to measure the, the XQ, which is your EQ plus your IQ and mm-hmm. how to implement that into teams and increase or leverage people's strengths, I would say, and um, round out the teams. And then we've had um, our Dr. Ben, mm-hmm. who he works with entrepreneurs on really like their own personal journey and different tools and methods of mm-hmm. you know, helping with stress and creating peace and conscious in their life. Um, mm-hmm with all the things that we're all going through every day. It's like so busy and had Nathan Young, um, greater, oh my gosh. The new narrative. New narrative. New narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I was like, everyone knows Nathan. Everybody knows yeah, yeah. Nathan. <laughs> she was our last one and she is this awesome woman. She is such a force and she, oh, we actually have it. She designs yeah. these handbags um, and they're woven out of plastic in the mountains of Oaxaca mm-hmm. and she has oh, hired all these women in the mountains of Oaxaca there who didn't have a job before they didn't have a trade and has empowered them and she's doing all these really awesome things. yeah that's awesome, awesome. yeah she's, she's a really good storyteller and one of the things I keep parroting back is she lives by the principle that if you take care of nature nature takes care of you and so she kind of quit her corporate um, jobs to figure out a way to remove plastic from the environment and create something that's beautiful and gorgeous yeah. and functional while employing, you know, these women that are experiencing hardships. And the way that she found these women was just by traveling on her own around the world and like ran into these women's of the mountains of Oaxaca and we're like, let's go into business together. And it was, it's just, it's magical. And then the, the first person that we interviewed, um, if somebody's looking to kind of understand Orion and Estelle Arco and where all this is going, we interviewed Dinosaur Dave. Um, <laughs> yes. He's David Farron of the Tory Project. And mm-hmm. we talked to him about what is stakeholder capitalism. And we go through the whole, what's the old narrative of capitalism? What's the new narrative? Wink to Nathan Young. And yeah. <laughs> uh, what are... What's the movement around certified B Corps by B Lab? And what's the movement around the long-term public exchange? And then from there, we're like, oh, let's interview some of the pride and glory of the benefit movement. You know, Dr. Mm-hmm. Bronner's is, is one of them. And so we've got a whole series of individuals we're lining up. And it and they're they're all people that we know. So that we've we've been connected to personally or professionally. 
and that we vetted and that we really like and that inspire us. So very rarely, I don't think we've ever interviewed anybody cold. We we did interview one person cold, but it was probably our, our favorite guest. Well, oh man, this is a lie, right? Shoot. Okay. No. <laughs> well, I mean, it is what it is. I mean. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. yeah. So these companies are life intense. Yes. And. Well, that wasn't really cold. It was because we knew oh, the guy, there, yeah. there were two people and we had met the, the I guess they're regional director or whatever joe he's in san diego and the owner's in portland but she's down here often and so the very first time we met her was in person for the podcast and she is a gem she is (laughs) the most fun person to have for anyone to have a conversation with so so yeah so it was really fun yeah (laughs) yeah you can hear when you listen to that episode you can tell we're vibing pretty strongly (laughs) well what i like about cold interviews for example is uh it's like you're getting to know, like you're getting to know the person while you're doing this podcast, mm-hmm. right? So it's just to me that feels more genuine and authentic. Like it's the first time me, let's really get to know who yeah. we, who you know each party is. And, There's and, no pre-existing yeah, knowledge, and yeah. so you really have to force yourself to listen yeah. and what they're saying because and, completely different when you do know them. Yeah, it's you know? discovery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're doing a discovery, so. Um, you mentioned to me just before we got on live that you have something coming up. So um, would you like to talk about that um, later this fall? Yeah. So Jessa, we were showing you the Mavis by Herrera bags. Well, mm-hmm. when we met Mavis, um, she was referred to as by Nathan Young at the New Narrative. He mm-hmm. was like, you got to meet this this woman. You're going to love her. And yeah, the first meeting, first like 30 minutes, we're like, yep, we're doing this. Um, she had this vision of creating a sustainable fashion show where you highlight mm-hmm. uh, purpose-driven companies, but gorgeous, like high-level fashion. Mm-hmm. And the people that work on this project, every detail must be purposeful and intentional and well mm-hmm. thought out. And that was like immediately Jess and I were like, yep, because one of our business lines is we help produce and host events that are regenerative. And so we kind of talked about like, what does this term regenerative mean? And we came up with an event called Runway to Regeneration. And we're going to have it uh, around the fall of this year, 2020. Nice. We're going to have October 1st. October 1st. Yeah. 10-1. Right here. Okay. And we platinum building because every detail is thought about from the location, right. the timing, the vendors, the hosts. The sponsors, which we are actively seeking. <laughs> yes. yes. And, and as part of this, too, so it, the primary showcase will be the fashion show, but we're going to have some top chefs from Baja come up and do VIP, like food tastings, like one on one experiences with um, sustainably sourced foods. And then we also have, um, we'll be showcasing vendors that have innovation and regenerative practices and we want to feature local companies. Awesome. So if we want to get involved with this event or someone might be listening to this, uh, they can find information on your website or your Instagram. Like what do you, what's the best way? Yeah, we're, I mean, we're launching this right now. So we're kind of building our, our logo and our design and our values, but we mm-hmm. have runway to regeneration.com. That's where information is going to be blasted. And we have social media sites that very, very, very soon will have all the information. That yeah. You need to know. Okay. And right now, just reach out to us, a stellar co. <laughs> yes, yes. yes, exactly. 
that website right there. Yeah. <laughs> That'll okay, awesome. Um, one of our traditions before we end our little interview and our little hangout with you is ask a random question. Ooh, so um, I think I'm going to take this one this okay. week. Okay. Right. So um, if you could go to space with anyone, who would it be and why? And not Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that was my first thought. And I was like, but wait, is it Leonardo DiCaprio? Mm. <laughs> That's a great question. I feel like I'm going to buy a minute. Because it's like, oh, you could have dinner with anyone in the world. But man, space is the next one beyond that. Because you're <laughs> there. Yeah, you're like in close quarters. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I would say Laurel. I was, Aww. this is no lie. This is no lie. I was going to say Jessa. Awesome. That's awesome. I'm not kidding. I was looking at her and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Are you thinking when I'm thinking, connect consciously? Can you see me and I want to see you? <laughs> it is, because you know we can stand each other and we know we can put up with each other for that long. So right. everyone, there's some other people of interest, but I'm like, I don't know if I could be on a spaceship yeah, with them for that long. That? Awesome. Well, that's awesome that you guys answered each other because, uh, you know, you are business partners. So <laughs> well, you should still be able to uh, work on your business while you're going to space, right? Yeah, no, no days off. <laughs> it aligns with our strategic plan. Right, exactly. What about you? Oh, why are you going to ask me You can't me throw them under the bus. No, <laughs> you can't ask me. Uh, I had a follow-up. I would take if Jessa can't go because <laughs> her dog Roxy needs to be on planet Earth. Um, I would take Tim Ferriss. Because I feel like I could have unending open conversations and explore some cool stuff yeah. with that I think mine would be Eckhart Tolle just because yes. he's, <laughs> I mean, he's like the one I want to have lunch with, but I think I could like totally hang out with him in space too. Oh yeah. He would, he's so wise. Right? <laughs> what about you? I don't know. Ah, uh, see, scared. you put me on the spot. <laughs> That is hard. Yeah. Like, well, I want to say my dog Hiccup, but. Hey. I mean. Your dog is Hiccup? Yeah, Hiccup and S'mores. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I love I like S'mores. My, my husband makes me S'mores in the fireplace at night. Oh, really? Oh, that's I love cool. S'mores. Well, I call her S'mores because her coat is. She's missing the chocolate part, but it's like the graham cracker and marshmallow. Nice. Aww. like that. And then hiccups, because <laughs> she always used to hiccup as a puppy, so. <laughs> <That's> so <cute. laughs> awesome. Well, um, thank you, Jessa and Laurel, for joining us on uh, Business AF. If they want to connect with you, they can check you out at astellar.co. .co. Uh, you're also on Instagram and Facebook and all the platforms and learn more about why regenerative business is important, especially in this day and age. So thank you, ladies. Yeah, definitely. Let's stay in touch. This is the Business AF Podcast, where it's all business most of the time. You can listen on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can subscribe to us on YouTube at businessafpod.com. If you like what you hear and you want to let people know, don't forget to tag us using hashtag businessaf.